Good morning, Southfield. Would you please stand with me? We're going to sing this morning. We're going to focus our eyes and our hearts and our minds on God and give him this day. Proclaim. 
praise you, Father. You are our creator, Lord, and you are always faithful. And we thank you that you stand by our side, Lord, and you never leave us. We know that you go before us, God. You're all around us, and you go behind us, and you stand with us, Father, and we thank you for that. Lord God, we worship you this morning. And Father, speak to us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. All right, so here we go. According to Genesis, the Lord created everything in six days, and then on the seventh day he rested. That is, he stopped. Doesn't mean he took a nap. means he rested from the work he had done on the previous six days. So he blessed that day, and he set it apart way back when everything was still perfect, right? Right. One day out of seven. 
Later, I don't know, around 2,500 years or so, way after Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and sin was everywhere, Moses pops up on the scene, hikes up Mount Sinai, and receives Ten Commandments from the Lord himself, written by his very finger. You saw the movie. For all you readers out there, take a peek at Exodus 20. Here begins the law, God's commandments. His design, not ours. For our benefit, not his. Now, out of all the Ten Commandments, we stop today on the fourth. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And in case we might not connect it on our own, God uses the same language in the first book of the Bible that he does here in the second to connect it for us. And I paraphrase. In six days, not five, not a million years, not an eon, in six days God did a bunch of work making everything that we see and don't see, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore he blessed it and made it holy. He set it apart. One day out of seven. So we got ten commandments. We got eight don'ts and two do's. But inside one of the do's is a don't, this fourth commandment. The do is to remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. And the way to keep it holy is the don't. Don't work. Or more accurate to its intent, put aside the normal work you do on the previous six days. Make this day different. One day out of seven. Okay, so let's leap forward about 1,500 years or so to Mark chapter 2. And you'll see that Jesus says, quite frankly, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for the man. Sabbath was made for the man. Huh. God blessed this day and he set it apart. Why? For what? Well, perhaps it's a date. Maybe God is saying he just wants to spend time with us. Yeah, he created us to do all kinds of things and have friends and family and live our lives, but maybe he's saying he'd like to spend time with us too. Now he knows we're busy. That's why he gave us seven days. Six days to do all the things that we have to do. And one day to spend with him. One day out of seven. In, uh, in 2001, Kim and I were given a really incredible gift. We were given a, a trip to go with some friends to Israel. It was, it was amazing. And i got to be honest with you. Um, up to that point in my life, I had never really been one of those people who was like, oh, i got to go to Israel. Just got to see Israel. To me, uh, okay, really honest, I was a little cynical about it. I was like, here, we're just going to go over there and see a bunch of churches where they say Jesus did this or did that. And, you know, big old culture vulture tour. And, um, and it'd be a lot like living in Illinois. You know, Lincoln ate a cheeseburger over here and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm like, I don't really need to go do that. But I went. I went, honestly, a little bit reluctantly. And since then, I've done a 180-degree turn. I'm kind of at the opinion now that anybody that's going to enter full-time ministry should do at least a month of formal education over in Israel to really get the perspective you can from being there. There are things that you can only see and understand when you experience that land. So, for example, you know, you're, you're over there and you get the chance to, to stand on a cliff and, and see the area that was King David's Jerusalem and realize that, you know, it's not the size of the modern city of Jerusalem. It's small. We would, we would talk about it in terms of acres. It's, it's that small. Or to go step down into the Jordan River and your legs are instantly freezing because the water is from snow up on a mountain. And to realize John the Baptist stood in this freezing cold water. I mean, it just, it, it kind of blows your mind away when you see it that way. Or to experience the deafening silence of the Dead Sea region and to realize this is the place that Jesus used to go to wander and be quiet just to be alone with his father. Those experiences are invaluable. And I grew up in western New York. And for me, when I think of a lake, I think of Lake Ontario. I think of Lake Erie. So when we were kids, we'd go off to a beach on Lake Ontario. And on really clear days, if, if you'd stare right at this certain spot, eventually you could see the CN Tower over there in Toronto. Same is true if we go over uh, into Michigan and, and look from the Warren Dunes. There you can see Chicago. So that was my image of of the Sea of Galilee. You know, Jesus walking about three hours from one side to the other side of the lake. We get there in the hotel room and I open the window on this morning after we had arrived in Galilee and I'm like, where's the lake? All I see is a little bit of water out there. It was much, much smaller than I ever imagined that it would have been. There are also cultural experience, uh, experiences, non-Western experiences that, that you can only have if you go to that place. For, for example, to walk around and just hear people only communicating in Hebrew. 
When you're used to all the time hearing English and now this other foreign language is just uh, being driven into your ears or, or eating kosher food as a meal. I don't know what you like for breakfast, but for me, coffee and just about anything sweet is fantastic. You go down to this breakfast in Israel and it's a little bit more like a salad bar. You're eating olives and fish and all these things for breakfast that to me should be another meal of the day. It doesn't quite fit that way for me. Or watching their religious practices. You know, this is a a nation where, where Muslims and Jews live side by side. So you'll hear the crying out of prayers from minarets. And, and at the same time, you're watching Jewish practices as well. So one morning I woke up again. I'm looking down uh, from the hotel room and you can see down on people's rooftops. And there's this man standing on top of his roof. And he's got his prayer shawl over his head and he's facing toward Jerusalem. And he's just rocking, rocking at this little lectern he has for his, for his daily prayers. And he's just out there rocking and praying. Things that you see when you only arrive and, and see them with your own eyes. We flew into Tel Aviv on a, on a Friday afternoon. And the hotel that we were staying at was about an hour away from the airport. And so as we're driving there, they told us, now, you got to get everything done that you want to get done before the sun sets. Because some come sunset Friday night, the Jewish Sabbath begins. And they told us flatly, it starts and everything stops. You won't be able to buy anything. Everything ceases when the Sabbath begins. And so again, I'm looking down from my room and it was cool to watch this transition where all of a sudden, no traffic. The traffic was gone. The cars had stopped. And what you saw was people walking, walking from their homes to their synagogue to begin that Friday night of, of worshiping God there in their synagogue. Um, I, even though Israel is a, is a pretty secular state at this time, you may not think of it that way, but it's a pretty secular state. The country's leaders still grasp the wisdom of honoring a society-wide day of stopping. They see the importance of it. There's one writer who put it this way. It's not that we as Jews keep the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath that has kept the Jews There is a recognition, even in a secular society, that honoring the rhythm of work and rest keeps order in individual lives and in the social structure in the entire Jewish state. So I got to admit to you this. I I was a little jealous. I'm watching this. I'm a little jealous in a healthy way. I'm looking at it and and I'm trying to imagine what it would be like to be in a a society where everybody agreed, we're all going to stop now. We're all just going to stop. Now, honestly, if you're as old as me or older, you remember that we used to. I mean, as a kid, I remember we didn't do anything on Sunday because nothing was open. And I remember when they changed the laws in New York. And for the very first time, Ames, the department store, was open on a Sunday. And church was done and we needed to buy something. And there's this debate going on in the car. Should we go? Should we go? It's legal to go. I don't know. So we go to the store. We're all like feeling like we're naughty. You know, there we are walking through this store that we weren't allowed to go to before. There was this time that that our society kind of recognized. A day of stopping is a good idea. And, And those days we know are gone. Now it's to the point that even even holidays are fair game for everything to be open all the time. I, I think religious or not, people have to recognize there's something to be said for at least one day a year where families get the chance to be together. And I would say that we need a lot more than one day a year where we just get to be together as a family. I've done some research, a lot of research on this whole concept of just taking a day of stopping and read from all kinds of different sources, not just Christian sources. One of the, one of the books I read was written just a couple of years ago by uh, Senator Joe Lieberman. It's called The Gift of Rest. And what he does in his book, he describes his experience and his family's experience as Orthodox Jews and what it's like to experience a Sabbath from not only really at sundown on Friday, but even earlier in the day, the way their whole week is oriented toward that particular day. Now, he's, he's a Jewish man, and he lives out this concept of a Sabbath in, in a non-New Testament way. You know, he's, he's doing it from an Old Testament standpoint. But he's doing it in the middle of very modern, secular Washington, D.C. 
And he tells stories, for example, when he was involved in the, the presidential campaign of it was, it was time for the sun had gone down and he wasn't allowed to get in a car and drive. And so there his limo and secret service were driving along his side as he's walking his way home instead of getting into a car because that's part of a violation of the Sabbath for them. I'm not granting a, you know, a wholesale endorsement to every one of his ideas. His approach does not recognize the impact of Christ on the Sabbath. And we as Christians need to recognize that impact. But I got to admit, once again, as I read the book, it felt a little bit like being in that hotel room in, in Tel Aviv, looking out and just saying, man, I wish our life was like that. I wish we lived in a society where people were willing to orient their life around God's sacred rhythm. Six days on, one day off. Six days of work, one day of rest. So I thought the best way to approach our time today, we're basically over this month and next month talking about the value in our lives of, of honoring a day of stopping. And today I'd like to talk about the idea of a day of stopping, particularly what a day of stopping is, what a day of stopping is not, and then the difference between a law-based pre-cross day of stopping and a grace-based post-resurrection approach to that day of stopping. So let's start with that question. What is a day of stopping, uh, for many also known as a Sabbath? To define it, We're going to keep looking at a few fundamental passages uh, from the Old Testament in particular. The first one is found in Genesis chapter 2. It says, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work. I hope you just allow those words to really sink into your mind and heart. God took a break. God stopped from his work of creation. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was a day when he rested from all of his work of creation. Cease. Stop. That's literally what the word Sabbath means. It means to cease or to stop. In the creation order, it was the final of the seventh days. God had spent six days doing what God does. Six days creating. Then, when his work was complete, he stopped. He rested. I like personally calling it a day of stopping. I think when I use the word Sabbath, something gets lost in there. It it feels ancient. It feels like something other people do. But we can all stop. We all know what it means when we say, today we are experiencing together a day of stopping. Sabbath tends to carry with it a lot of baggage for a lot of people. Fundamentally, the word means just plain stop. We have six work days and one stop day. The Sabbath, first of all, as we're looking at what it's all about, is a day to stop working. It's a day to, to cease striving, to stop battling the thorns and the thistles. The thorns and the thistles showed up after the curse. And, and God says, one day a week, we're going to stop battling the thorns and thistles. We're going to stop working. Now, we're going to talk more specifically next week about what needs to stop. Today, we're going to talk broadly. We need to stop working. We need to stop creating. We need to cease bringing order from chaos. That's the thing we should stop in this day. One source I've greatly appreciated on this topic is Peter Cesaro. He's a pastor in New York City. Uh, He's the one that, that put forth that concept of the word create, meaning to clear a path through a virgin forest. Every one of us is born as if we're born in a forest where a tree has never been cut down. And God hands you your axe, saw, machete, whatever it is. And he says, now you spend your life clearing your unique path. You get to do that. But one day a week, you'll lay down the tools. One day a week, you put them aside and you take some time to rest. We all need to do it. God created and worked for six days and then he stopped on the seventh. Now think about it. God did that. What puts us in a place of thinking we're better than God. We can keep going for that seventh day. God says we need these days that we stop. We stop, though, and this is important, not just because it's good for us, 
not because of the benefits. A lot of times when people are talking about a day of stopping, they just sell all of the benefits of it. And there are certainly benefits, but that's not the only reason for stopping. We stop because it imitates God. We stop because we're made in His image and we're image reflectors. We're showing other people who God is and how God works and what God is like. So with the word Sabbath, I hope every time you hear the word from now on, you'll think of the words stop, cease, quit. That's what it's all about. For many of us, we think of celebrating a day of rest as diving headfirst into leisure. So now, okay, I'm going to stop working, and now I'm going to go and focus on leisure. Leisure is, a, is not necessarily rest. Leisure is a distraction. God says stop. He doesn't say switch. He says, stop, don't move from one form of work to another. And, and, you know, first and fundamentally, Sabbath is a day to stop. And for a lot of us, we would actually find that in time, our leisure becomes its own form of work. It becomes a whole new form of work in our lives. We need to stop working, stop creating, stop striving, stop fighting the thorns and thistles. It's a day to stop and just trust God. Here's the cool part of the Sabbath. It's one day that you say, I don't have to be in charge of my universe. Everything will spin just fine. God's in charge, and I don't have to be. We need that in our lives. What else falls into the column of what a Sabbath is? Well, it's not only a day to stop, it's also a holy day. It's a special day. We see uh, that God talks about this again in in Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 8, where he lays out this commandment uh, that's part of the ten. He says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for ordinary work. He doesn't even give the American standard of five days and and a nice weekend. Six days a week that you can work. But on the seventh day, that's a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Then he goes through all the list of everybody that's not allowed to work. And it includes everybody in your house. Everybody's supposed to take a break. Then comes verse 11. In six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. The passage calls this day of stopping holy or sanctified. Now, holy means a couple of things. One is that it means sinless or sin-free. When we speak of God as being holy, one aspect of God's holiness is he does not sin. Now, he's not necessarily talking about the Sabbath or the day of stopping as being a sin-free day, although we should not, you know what I'm saying. But, but this is a, that's not what this part of the word holy is about. This, is, this has got a different idea. It carries the idea of being set apart, unique, different, or a cut above. It's different than all the rest. And let me use this example. So you come to our house, and you will find scissors all over the place. I mean, you can open drawers. It's funny. For as many, I mean, we probably have 20 pairs of scissors in our house. You can never find them. But we have them. They're everywhere. Everywhere we have scissors. And, you know, obviously you just cut like crazy. You can cut whatever you want. And then there's this pair of scissors. Anybody recognize this kind of scissors? These scissors are in the kitchen. And these scissors are used for kitchen stuff. These are used for cutting food, for cutting food open. They are used specifically for the kitchen. Now, that does not mean that I can take a piece of paper to the kitchen and use these scissors in order to cut it. This is dedicated for stuff that's done with food prep, and that's all it is. These scissors are holy. Holy in the sense that they are set apart for a specific purpose, and it's the only purpose for which they are used. That's the same as the Sabbath. The Sabbath is set apart and different than all the other days. It is holy in that it is unique. It's a cut above It's different than the rest. That's what this text means. A Sabbath was unlike the other six days. What's the main feature of the other six days? Work. Work, work, work. And this day, you stop the working. This one's different. It's a cut above. It's unique. It's special. What makes it special or unique? Verse 10 told us, It is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. 
Now, we've already talked about the rest part. Resting is, is different than the other six days of working. But you've got to catch the second part. It's a day dedicated to the Lord your God. Another translation says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. This day is God's day. Now, now I know what some of you are thinking. Is every day God's day? I mean, doesn't, doesn't every day belong to God? How can you say this one day is God's day? Well, of course they're all God's day. Clearly they are. But our focus the other six days is divided. We're distracted. If we're men, you know, we have that, that great sense of compartmentalizing. We're only focusing on one thing work and and the other stuff gets gets pushed away you know in may we celebrate mother's day and in june we celebrate father's day the purist would probably say shouldn't every day be mother's day shouldn't every day be father's day well of course they should be but the dailiness of life starts to take over and before you know it we just we just we just roll through we need days that are set apart and special mother's day and father's day easter and christmas even birthdays to focus to celebrate to set apart something or someone as unique the sabbath is god's day now this is a lost concept in our times And I'm not talking about the culture out there. I'm talking about the church in here. We've come to a point that we don't really recognize this anymore. That this is a day that is unique and special, devoted to the Lord, our God. We no longer treat Sunday as God's day. And a friend at one time who was deeply involved in church life, committed volunteer, a person who would be considered a, a model, just a model disciple. And in time, they just started to drift. They drifted from activity uh, involving church or anything. And, and, and when conversations happen, what's going on? They just said, you know what? I need a me day. I just need a me day. And it's the only day available for a me day. I just, I just need a day for me. Sunday is my me day. That is a prevailing attitude in the Christian community. That we've come to a point of saying, I've worked so much all week long, I need a day just for me. My life is so busy that I need a me day. As much as the Sabbath is about rest, and I will not deny that, I'm afraid that, we, that when we emphasize the benefits of rest alone, we miss out on the real issue of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the Lord's day. It's not a me day, it's a he day. It's a day that belongs to him and is focused on him and is devoted to him. Look at Isaiah chapter 58. Beautiful passage on on this day of stopping. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day. I mean, that's a pretty clear line. But enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day. And don't follow your own desires or talk idly. You might enter there, you know. Don't go on Facebook. But anyway, that's another story. Um, Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. Don't pursue your own interests on that day. I mean, the Bible says it clearly, but enjoy the Sabbath, or more primarily, enjoy the Lord of the Sabbath. That's what it means to make the day holy. Don't follow your own desires. Don't just talk idly. Spend the day delighting in the Lord your God. And in a few weeks, we'll, we'll spend some time talking about what it means to delight in God. It's a, it's a major aspect of this day of stopping. So what else? It's a day to stop. It's a holy day set apart for God, different than the other six. And the third thing we see is the Sabbath is a day of rest. It's about a day of just taking a rest from the work that we do. Deuteronomy chapter 5 reiterates what we saw in Exodus chapter 20. I mean, the verses look a lot alike until you get down to the final verse, the verse that gives the reason for the Sabbath. Remember, in Exodus, it talks about this is a reflection of God and the image of God in you and a reflection of the creation order of work and rest. In, in this passage, he talks instead about the Israelites' experience in slavery. He says, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt. This is verse 15. But the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath. Now, a lot of you know I, I turned 50 this past year. Still don't look a day over 47. I'll share the secret later. But anyway... Um, 
as I get to talk to people who are kind of in my same age range, it's not universal, but I hear this a lot. I hear people in my age range saying something like this. Maybe not these exact words, but something like this. So this is it? This is it? I spent all these work years working and struggling and... And this is it? This is what it means to arrive? And, and there are people really digging in deeply and kind of saying, did anything, I did, did anything of, of the activity, of activity I've had in my life, is any of it of lasting value? Any of it of lasting purpose? Does any of it matter? They're really going through these questions. And on top of that, a lot of them, after years of loyalty to companies and organizations, are being displaced by, you know, wide-eyed 32-year-olds with lots of energy and lots of ideas. And they're going, really? So I worked so hard and, and now you're just casting me aside for someone else? Is this it? You see, what it comes down to is many people feel like slaves They just feel like cogs in the wheel of someone else's dream machine. They're spitting out the dreams and you get to be the one that gets to do the grinding. Uh, Do you realize that for 400 years, the Israelites didn't take a break? They were slaves to someone else. Day after day, they lived out the demands of an overbearing taskmaster. They didn't get to choose or control their own destiny, not even their next step. Honoring the Sabbath was a return to balance, to a rhythm that had been distorted in their lives. Now, here's the fact. No matter what level of job you hold, the fact is there's a sense in which you are a slave to someone else. Someone else is calling the shots. Someone else tells you how life is supposed to happen. Some of us look at other people who, you know, may seem to, oh my goodness, they have their own business. They call their own shots or, or he's the president of such and such or the CEO of something else. Even CEOs are at the demands of the customer and the board member. Nobody truly gets to call all the shots in their own life. Every one of us, our sixth day of work, Six days of work can feel like slavery. We need a break. We need rest. Uh, There are days that I have this happen. I'm sure you do too. Between running kids around and picking stuff up and doing all the stuff you got to do, I literally at some point that day just say out loud, what am I, a slave? Am I just a slave? Just, Just doing everybody else's stuff? Here's what we need. We need at least a weekly reminder, probably more often than that, But we need a weekly reminder that we are not slaves. I am not a slave. I'm a son. I'm a son. I'm not just a cog in someone else's dream machine. I'm a daughter of the creator of all things. We need that reminder. Sabbath is to be an experience of that fact. The reality that I'm deeply loved by God. And I take time to focus on that on this day. I'm not a workhorse. I'm made for a promised land. My life is oriented around God, not my boss, not my business, not my busyness. It's oriented around God. A Sabbath is a day to stop. It is a holy day. It's a day to rest. Now, let's look at the other side. And that's the question, um, what a Sabbath is, is not. What's not going on in the Sabbath? And, and these will roll along quickly. The first is, a Sabbath is not just a day off, but it's a day devoted to God. For a lot of us, when we think Sabbath, we think, oh good, I get a day off. And we, we kind of live the whole week for, I can't wait for my day off. It's not just what I'm stopping. It's not just what I'm pushing away, but it's what I'm pulling toward. It's what I'm focusing on. It's not just about stopping work, but it's about a clear focus on God. So it's not just about I get a day off, but it's a day devoted to God. A Sabbath is also not just for leisure or for distraction, but it's a day of focus. Focus on God and God's role in my life. As I said before, very often for a lot of us, our leisure eventually becomes its own form of work. It eventually takes the place of work and does something else. We need a day where we just pay attention to the movement of God in our lives. And finally, and this one's probably the toughest for a lot of us, a Sabbath is not just a day of catching up. 
It's not, oh, I've been working all week long and I finally get my catch-up day. I get to get all the stuff in that I couldn't do when I was at work. It's not just a day of catching up, but a day for delighting in God, for really reconnecting in my relationship with Him. The bottom line is that this day is a day to reorient my life around God, to recalibrate to true north once again. Because while we're working all week, we drift. We just drift and we forget that We're sons and daughters of the king of the universe. So we know what a day of stopping is and what it is not. Let's wrap up by examining the difference between that law-based pre-cross day of stopping and a grace-based post-resurrection approach to stopping. Clearly by the time of Jesus, the Sabbath, which had been given as a gift from God, was nothing but a burden to his people. Religious leaders had created rules to protect rules. I mean, they wanted to make sure that the Sabbath was wrapped in bubble wrap and nobody, nobody was going to break it. Lieberman talks about a lot of those rules in his book. One of the things that that Jewish people do for their Sabbath, they light a Sabbath candle. And the Sabbath candle burns all that day. Now, if you light the Sabbath candle after the sun sets... Congratulations, you just broke the Sabbath. You have sinned. So some rabbi came up with a great idea. Everybody should light their candle 18 minutes before sunset. So we're going to make sure that we don't miss this thing. And 18 minutes before, a little alarm will go off. And I get that thing lit so that I don't break the Sabbath by lighting the candle after sunset. I don't know. If you're listening to this and I'm listening to this, I'm like, really? This is what Sabbath is going to be all about? If I miss lighting the candle, I just blew the day? And so what they're doing is setting up rules to protect rules. It's well-meaning, but in time, these people find themselves focusing more on the guardrails than the road. I mean, can you imagine taking a trip like that? You're going through this beautiful scenic place, and all you're doing is staring at the guardrail. I don't want to go off the road. I don't want to go off the road. I don't want to go off the road. Boom, hit a car. You know, I mean, you're just, you're not paying attention to what it's all about. You're not paying attention to the journey. You're not paying attention to the scenery. God created this day as a day to restore you, refresh you, and reconnect you with himself. And instead, we're spending the whole day legalistically wondering, did I just break the Sabbath? Did I just mess it up? Oh, no, I forgot to light my candle. What in the world am I going to do? Rules were made, even in the time of Jesus, to ensure that the Sabbath was not broken. Extreme rules. You could only take a certain amount of steps on the Sabbath. I still don't know what happened. All of a sudden you were counting and you stopped and you were in the middle of the road somewhere away from house. Did somebody have to come and get a dolly and take you home? I don't know what happened. You're just kind of, I guess I'll have to wait till tomorrow. Here I am. Give me a tent. Uh, There was a rule that you weren't allowed to spit on the Sabbath. Because if you spit, it rolled dust. And that was work. I don't know the last time you spit if you went, whew, I'm winded. I just rolled a lot of dust. But these are the kinds of rules that were put in place to ensure that nobody ever broke the Sabbath. And Jesus came and he said, This is nuts. This is just crazy. You're not getting the reason for which the Sabbath was put in place in the first place. Here's what he said in Mark chapter 2. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Another translation says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. I love the ending. It's his way of saying, I should know it was my idea in the first place. Don't tell me what the Sabbath is all about. I was there on the seventh day saying, we should take a day of rest. Jesus got it. The meaning of the Sabbath by the time of Jesus had been distorted greatly. I would contend that Jesus did not come to destroy the sabbath but to return it to its original intent the proper meaning he longed to restore god's wonderful gift of rest you see we have this interesting tendency as evangelicals we like to throw the baby out with the holy water if something doesn't fit we just we just throw the whole thing out altogether jesus did not say i have come jesus said i have not come to destroy the law but to fulfill it he didn't come simply to dismantle the sabbath but to return it to the original intent for which it was designed to offer us a picture 
of the eternal rest that we would experience, rather than just the temporal rest that the Sabbath was here to symbolize. So we've got to really keep in mind why the Sabbath was here in the first place. And not just throw the entire thing out, but find the benefits there. The Sabbath is a reflection of the sacred creation rhythm of six days of work and one day of rest. It's a reflection of our unique nature as human beings. We are God's image bearers. And we still need to set apart that day and say, this day is uniquely devoted to God, unlike the others. Jesus did not say the Sabbath is done. In that verse, he said, the Sabbath is a gift. It's a gift for your benefit, to be enjoyed. It's not just to be a burden. Paul goes in in the book of Colossians, he says, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or, or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. It wasn't just about celebrating a day. It was about celebrating God and connecting with God. Paul is reinforcing what Jesus said. For too many people, Sabbath-keeping just becomes rule-keeping. And I don't know about you, but I find no rest in just keeping the rules. That's not what this day of stopping is all about. Paul said, don't let anyone condemn you in this. It's not about the rules. It's about the Spirit. It's about grace. So here's the bottom line on this. The difference between that that law-based Sabbath and a grace-based one. A law-based Sabbath is prescribed and regulated by humans. In other words, I would say, you need to keep a Sabbath, and here's how you will do it. Here's my list. You do this. A grace-based Sabbath is a gift from God to be enjoyed. A law-based Sabbath is oppressive and burdensome, but a grace-based Sabbath is refreshing and regenerative. A law-based Sabbath is about gaining points with God. A grace-based Sabbath sees that God is the point. It's a day of focusing on Him. And a law-based Sabbath is inadequate. It always has been. A grace-based Sabbath is God's original intent for all of us. Grace is a gift. The Sabbath is a gift. A little book that I read while preparing for this by a rabbi named Abraham Joshua Herschel. He said this, The Sabbath is the most precious treasure ever received from the storehouse of God. Now, coming from a Christian perspective, I'd say Jesus is the most precious gift ever received from the storehouse of God. But honoring the spirit of this, the Sabbath is a fantastic gift. This day of stopping is a great gift that God has given to every one of us, and he wants us to enjoy it and to experience it deeply. So we can talk all day about this. And the fact is, when it comes down to practicing the Sabbath, you've got to figure out, how am I going to incorporate a day of stopping into my life, and maybe more difficult, into the life of my family? How are we going to do a day of stopping? So we're giving you some homework assignments during the week to think through, to just think through the implications of this. You did one last week. Hopefully you brought your sheet back today. And when, you, when the baskets come around for the offering, fold it in half, quarters, eighths, sixteenths, whatever you want. Fold it up, put it in the offering, and we'll collect those. There's also a sheet coming to you right now for this coming week for you to do some thinking. And this will require some thinking and some conversation. Maybe, you know, with just your spouse, maybe you even want to include the family, especially if the family's sitting here and listening. Include the family in on the discussion. See, when it comes down to this whole thing of a Sabbath, we're all going to have to answer a basic set of questions. What will I stop doing? Or what will we stop doing? What will I and what will we start doing? And what are we going to continue doing? We're all just going to have to look at those three and ask those. But before we jump there, we've got to do some foundational thinking. We've got to dig a little deeper. And that's where your sheet comes in. So... For now, let's call the front side the one that the top corner, top left corner question is, what is depleting me, leaving me empty? And what I want you to do, focus it just on the entirety of your life. It doesn't just have to be, uh, for a lot of people, Sunday is going to be their Sabbath, though not everybody. 
Um, what are the things we're doing this day that exhaust us? Or what are, we, what are we doing all the time that's just leaving us running on empty? It's depleting me. If you move over, the other question is, what is distracting me? What is distracting me from focusing on God? We need to ask both of those questions. So the one is, what's leaving my gas tank empty? And the other one is, what is causing me to come to Sunday and say, oh yeah, God, forgot about you. Saw you last week. I'll be back next week. So asking those two questions. Then you notice on the bottom, it says, what is distracting us and what is depleting us? I want you to ask the question, not only from your personal perspective, but also from your family perspective. And, and you may not be able to, you know, enter all the family in there, but at least think through you and, you and your spouse, at least that much. You see, here's the reality. There's something you enjoy doing that is very refreshing, that drains your spouse. And there's something else that they love doing that just leaves you exhausted. Some of you love, you just love having a gang of people over your house. I mean, they can't be there long enough, and it's fun, and by the time it's done, you're like, oh, please don't go, please don't go, let's, let's camp out, come on, let's just, we'll stay together all day, this has been fantastic. And your spouse, from the moment you say, let's have people over, their shoulders curl, and they, they start, you know, before you know it, they're fetal on the floor, you're just like, what's wrong? And, and for them... That whole thing is draining. The process of getting ready, the process of having people there, being focused on them, it just depletes them. So there may be something that's really restorative for you. For me, I love taking walks. And I love taking walks in wooded places. And I say that to some of you, and you look at me like, you are just weird. You're bizarre. Give me a football and I'm going to have a great time. This is, this is regenerative for me. I just love throwing something or whatever, riding something. Okay, great. We all have different things that energize us and that deplete us. So what's depleting me? What's distracting me? What's depleting us? What's distracting us? Then the backside's the positive side. What regenerates me? And what helps me focus on God? What regenerates us? And helps us focus on God. You got a little work to do. Hopefully these questions will just start, you'll noodle on them. And and it'll start brewing some ideas and helping you maybe to be able to answer those three questions. The three questions of what needs to start, what needs to stop, and what are we going to continue if we honor a true day of rest. In a couple of moments, our servers are going to come and we're going to participate in communion. So let's bow our heads and pray right now. Father, I thank you for the gift of rest that you offer us. I just wish we all take it. I wish we would all reach out and accept that gift, just like I wish we'd all reach out and accept the gift of salvation that you've offered to us. You offer us so many great gifts, and it is ours to put out our hands and receive them. I pray that we would be people who receive the great gift of stopping. We would find a new level of of enjoyment in our lives because we're experiencing the benefits of a day of stopping. And mostly that we would find ourselves not just taking a me day, but experiencing a he day, a day where we are really recalibrated once again, reorienting our lives around you and everything that you are. We love you and thank you for being our God. In Jesus' name, amen. So right now our servers will come and you'll receive the bread and cup. And we're going to be singing a song during communion. When you're ready, just go ahead and take communion. Here's my heart.
Pray, God, that you would train our ears, tune our ears to hear the truth and know the truth. So many voices are crying out to us, telling us that they believe they have the answer. They have the truth. This is the best way to do things. And, God, we know there is only one legitimate source of truth, and that is you. I pray that we would constantly have our ears turned in that direction so that our minds, our lives would be oriented around you and we would live lives of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Our servers are coming now to receive the offering. As they do, let me share a number of things with you. Uh, We've been talking for a while about being in this 11-week series series of weeks, um, getting ready for December 8th when we're going to have a a one-time offering. And in that one-time offering, we're just collecting all that we can to go toward uh, our building. And a lot of people are coming up with uh, creative ideas. And we're going to share more of what people are doing along the way in order to raise funds for that special offering. You know, it's not just the adults that are getting into it. The kids are too. And so today, if you didn't receive one, I hope you'll get one on the way out on the table outside. Jared Jared Kruger is collecting aluminum cans and ink cartridges, basically recycling and the recycling money that's coming from that. He's putting toward, uh, toward that December 8th offering. You notice there's a a concert being offered on October 26th at the Hub in New Lenox. And that is for students. If you like that kind of music, it's for all of us. Anybody that wants to go can. But the leader of that organization said, hey, of the ticket price, we'll go ahead and give half towards your building. So uh, just some creative things you can do along the way in order to participate in a way that's really going to be meaningful as we lead toward that December 8th event. 
I'll give you some other building stuff where you, if you've noticed, if you're driving by, uh, the trees are getting thinner and thinner as we prepare the space where uh, the water will be held at retention pond and ultimately where the building will be uh, further up the hill. Where we are right now in tree removal, this was kind of interesting. Last Monday after we burned all those trees, I got a call and found out we're not allowed to do that. So we've got to find a different way to get rid of trees. And um, we've, we've found that they taste great. So if you... No, not really. Um, we've got to get rid of the trees. So here's what we're doing. If you got a chainsaw and you want to come cut up wood and take it home, you can. All right? Now, it's the, the, the wood on the ground. The oaks in the back, you touch those, we're going to have a conversation. Okay? But the junk on the ground, you can come in and take whatever you want. I suspect that's going to get rid of a whole lot just because we all love the word free. Okay, so come grab what you want. Some of it is already cut up. You don't have to do all your own cutting. It's cut into logs. You can just come, take what you want, take it home. The rest, we're hoping um, on the last Saturday of October, we're going to have a chipper. This is going to be like dude day. Everybody gets a chance to chip. I just wanted to throw a bike in there and see what happens. But no, anyway, just throwing that wood in, making mulch so that we can have that area under the oaks and some other areas, have some nice, nice mulched in areas. So that's what's going on on the property itself. Tomorrow and the following Monday, we have two really important village meetings. Tomorrow's the zoning meeting where hopefully we get the initial permission to have a special use permit. We're in a residential area. You've got to get permission to have a church in a residential area. And then starting to get some of the very initial pieces of the building permit that will let us move dirt and get a foundation in this fall. We're hopeful that those two things happen, and if they do, by the end of the month, you will see very big Tonka trunks out there starting to move dirt around and and really make some great stuff happen. So would you be praying specifically for us tomorrow night and next Monday as we move toward those? Those are really, uh, really important. So you you have your homework sheet. Make sure you go ahead and do that. Be ready to go. And uh, I think what we're going to do is stand, and we're going to do some singing before we leave.
a great day, and we'll see you next week. Slide.